Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Google. Today's Tuesday, December 1st. BlackBerry stock is up, oil prices are down, and we're focused on new diversity rules for corporate America. Earlier today, the NASDAQ said that it's asked federal regulators to approve new listing rules that would require its companies to regularly report on the demographic diversity of their boards of directors and also comply with new board diversity requirements. Here's how it would work. NASDAQ listed companies would have one year to begin reporting on their board diversity, including things like self-identified gender, race, and sexual orientation. Those companies then would have two years to make sure they have at least one woman plus one quote-unquote diverse director, while larger companies would have a bit more time. If any of the NASDAQ's 3,000-plus companies fail to meet these requirements by the deadline, they could face delisting. Well, again, assuming the Securities and Exchange Commission signs off on the plan. The basic idea here is that more diverse boards can lead to better corporate governance and sometimes even better financial performance. And NASDAQ is not alone here. Its effort is kind of reminiscent of recent regulations put into place in California, whereby listed companies there are required to have more gender and underrepresented minority representation on their boards of directors. Plus, it's also a bit reminiscent of what Goldman Sachs just did, saying that they will only help companies go public if those companies have at least one woman or underrepresented minority director. So we want to go deeper with NASDAQ Senior Vice President Jeff Thomas to better understand why NASDAQ is enacting this policy and the internal discussions that led to it. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Jeff Thomas, a senior vice president in NASDAQ's corporate services unit. Let's start with the history here. When did you first consider this initiative and why? Well, Dan, 2020 has been an unprecedented year in so many ways. But really, with the rise of the whole greater focus on social justice and racial equality, that's really what kickstarted the conversation here at NASDAQ. Our goal with this proposal is to provide a transparent framework for NASDAQ listed companies to present their board composition and diversity philosophy to all stakeholders. And we believe that this listing rule is one step in a broader journey to achieve inclusive representation across corporate America. Do you have a sense right now of the companies that are listed on NASDAQ, how many would not be in compliance at the moment? That's really one of the big problems, Dan, is we don't have the disclosure framework to know that. Through our best reading of publicly available data, we believe that the supermajority of NASDAQ listed companies have at least one diverse director on their board. But frankly, we don't know because there's not been a national disclosure framework for this type of data. What's the argument for why NASDAQ should be in this role as opposed to a government authority? Stock exchanges are uniquely positioned to promote more transparent and efficient capital markets that generate long-term value. It's our mandate to create a fair and transparent marketplace for both companies and investors. And although there's been some legislative action, from some state governance, we believe this proposal will help accelerate progress by providing a national framework for companies to disclose their diversity initiatives, increasing the amount of available information, and making it easier for investors to evaluate the companies on our market. Why boards of directors and not, say, C-suite management? Since C-suite management generally actually has more influence over what happens at a company. It was a a hot debate uh, within uh, our, our team that worked on this initiative of where should we start What's the journey and should it be focused on the board, executive management, employee diversity? And really, you know, it seems like everything starts with the board. 
right? And while gender diversity has improved among U.S. company boards in recent years, the pace of change has been gradual, and the U.S. still lags behind other countries. Progress towards bringing other underrepresented minorities into the boardroom has been even slower. What have you learned, good or bad, from the California example? When we look at the California laws, we generally agree with the same principles. But some of the feedback we heard as we were gathering information from stakeholders was that sometimes the timelines are a little bit too aggressive. Making changes on the board of directors is a pretty serious matter. Companies need to have access to great candidates. And so that's why we're also announcing a partnership with Equilar to help our listed companies have access to great candidates uh, from diverse backgrounds to help meet these new requirements. Part of your announcement this morning said that if companies do not comply by the end of the transition period, they could be delisted. How will you make the decision and why put the could in there? Why not just say you'll be delisted? The approach we took was a comply or explain. And so if they meet the requirements, no issues. If they don't meet the requirements, then they simply have to explain why it was a challenge for them to do so. The only case where a company would be delisted is if they choose not to comply or explain. What if the explanation is just, yeah, we looked for folks and we didn't find them? We think that, again, the major focus here is on a disclosure framework. And so we think that the company's stakeholders, whether it's their investors, their employees, or their customers, should have access to that information. And if that's their explanation, then the market can judge if that's a, an appropriate policy. So you're saying that would be a public explanation, not just one given to NASDAQ, one that would be somehow uh, publicized in some way? That's right. It's all public disclosure. And so really, that's what we're looking for here is a national framework for this type of disclosure. Is that part of your legal workaround? Because I know there are some folks out there, some pundits out there who suggest that were you to say require that a company have certain racial or gender diversity on the board and be delisted if they do not, that that could run afoul of the Constitution? Well, I know that the California laws have been challenged in the courts and to date they've all been upheld. NASDAQ, again, as a self-regulatory organization, has the obligation to review our corporate governance standards and enforce whatever standards we deem are appropriate and those that are approved by the SEC. For example, earlier in the century, we came out with a rule that required that the majority of board members be independent. At the time, that was a controversial movement, and now today it's accepted as commonplace. So we think we're on kind of the same continuum, the same journey that we had with independent board members to make sure that we have good diversity among board members as well. Jeff, when you were designing this policy, what was the biggest, if not speed bump, what was the most uh, contentious issue internally? Well, one of the really interesting topics is as you look to create more diversity on boards, the more underrepresented groups that you permit into that conversation, potentially you start to water it down and have less diversity. So there's lots of different groups that we'd like to be considered for this. Think about Americans with disabilities veterans and others. And so the more inclusive you try to make your diversity policies, then frankly, sometimes they don't have the same impact. And again, one of the big motivations for this is the racial and social justice issues that we've seen in the country this year. And that's really where we wanted to stay focused and make sure that we were focused on having as big an impact as we could. Jeff Thomas of the NASDAQ, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back. What we're watching today is a bipartisan group of U.S. senators who proposed a $908 billion economic stimulus package in a last-ditch effort to get COVID relief passed in this Congress. Their proposal came just before House Speaker Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin were scheduled to meet for the first time since before the election 
and includes things like reauthorization of the PPP loan program for small businesses, funding for cities and states, and short-term liability protections from COVID-related lawsuits. It does not include any direct payments to U.S. taxpayers. So we asked Axios political reporter Elena Treen if this proposal has any chance of getting passed. There's a better chance now than there has been in several months. I mean, we've had this conversation on your podcast multiple times, and every time I've been super skeptical, the lawmakers and leaders on the Hill that I've spoken with say there's a very slim chance of any comprehensive bill. I think a lot of this is honestly riding on what Nancy Pelosi says. I think the White House is very eager, almost desperate, I'd argue, to get something done before he leaves. One last check on President Trump's box in the middle of all of this craziness about the election still, something legislatively to hold on to. But it's going to depend on whether they can really come to the middle here. To keep track of Elena's reporting on the stimulus negotiations, please be sure to sign up for Sneak Peek, Axios's political newsletter, which just expanded to five nights per week. Get it at signup.axios.com. Today, we're also watching shares of BlackBerry, which soared to a 17-year high. This is the Canadian company best known for those keyboarded mobile devices, but which has now become more of a security software business. And it's that new version of BlackBerry that led to today's pop, as the company signed a partnership with Amazon Web Services to develop and sell Ivy, which is the name for BlackBerry's smart vehicle platform. Finally, today is Giving Tuesday which was originally launched in 2012 to promote charitable donations. The basic idea is if you spent money on Black Friday or on Cyber Monday, on yourself or on loved ones, perhaps you could also spend a bit on nonprofits that benefit others. And in 2020, it's needed more than ever. So if you're able, please hop online and lend a hand. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Pie Day. Cut a slice after you've given some money for Given Tuesday. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.